This is Archive Atlanta, episode 190, Antoinette Farnsworth-Drew. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shaped the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. It has been a very busy two weeks in my life between work and life and podcasts and all that. And so I wanted to do a mini episode that was fun, that I was really into, but also usher us into quote unquote spooky season. Everyone always asks me about ghost stories and I don't do them because it's not really something you can research. Ghost stories come from urban legends, local lore, oral history, and that's just something like you can't sit on the newspapers.com, you know, and research that from my living room. No fear, I know it's very popular, and I have some ideas coming up on how to handle that, but what I do tell people is that I'm more than happy to share the factual stories of murders and fires and other terribly depressing stuff that usually fuels these ghost stories. Atlanta Snack Club asked me to do a Tales of Terror running tour last year. I actually did two of them, and it was so fun. And so I think I'm going to do a walking tour for October. But whenever I come across these little stories, I kind of I either send them to Kyle first, and then I put them in this little bucket, you know, for future running tours. One of these stories that did not make the tours that I did is that of Antoinette Drew. She was an elderly female artist who was murdered in her home in downtown Atlanta in 1941. But this is also a story about an amazing woman. This week's mini is all about Drew, the little we know about her, her artwork, her story of her unsolved murder. History is often unkind to women and at best has simply forgotten their names and their achievements. This is especially true for women that don't really reach like a national fame or those that don't have descendants to carry on their memory. And both of these are really true for Antoinette. She was born in August of 1866 in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Probably said that wrong. Apologies to all Wisconsinites. Two parents, William and Mary Farnsworth. William was a contractor and he moved to Atlanta almost immediately after the end of the Civil War. They had three daughters in total. It was Antoinette, Cora, and Emma. In May of 1887, Antoinette married Talma Drew. Talma was born around 1853 to parents Valoris and Charlotte. And so their marriage announcement stated that the couple would reside in Washington, D.C. because Talma worked there in a government position as the official stenographer for the Department of Agriculture. Let me just give you a quick side note, because this is how like into stuff I get into the rabbit holes. I could not find their marriage certificate publicly, and I also could not figure out what her husband's name was because it was impossible to read it on the census. So I actually paid this small town in Wisconsin like 15 bucks to send me a copy of this marriage certificate. So this is how I know her husband's name and I know anything about him. Antoinette studied art at the Art League in New York City and then in Paris, Florence, and Venice. And I think like her total time abroad was like six years. In New York City, she was employed by Tiffany and Lamb, designing stained glass windows as well as other private commissions. Figures and portraits were really her specialty. And we have a passport application from 1893 that gives us a very small glimpse into some personal details about her. So she filled out her form. She was 27 years old. At this time, she's still living in D.C. She is five foot, five inches with blue eyes and brown hair. And her occupation was listed as artist. In 1901, she illustrated a book called Sleepy Time Stories. And then in 1902, she illustrated a book called Lights of Childhood. 
Both of these were written by Maud Ballington Booth, who was co-founder of the Volunteers of America. She was a prison reformer, um, a proponent of legal euthanasia, among many, many other things. Um, and because of the level of nerd that I am, and again, I was very committed to the story, I actually ordered a copy of Lights of Childhood from a used bookseller. So it should arrive in a couple weeks. I'm going to put the photos on um, social media. I just really wanted to have her artwork in some fashion, and this is the only way I could figure it out. From a quick glance, both of these books seem to be very classic progressive era stuff. It's all about teaching children how to be the right kind of people, the right kind of citizens. Talma Drew died in 1909 while the couple was living in Brooklyn, and the cause of death was chronic endocarditis, so some kind of heart issue. And it appears that after becoming a widow, Antoinette begins traveling back to Atlanta, like back and forth. So her aunt and uncle, William and Emma Benzel, lived in an old Victorian mansion on Ellis Street in downtown Atlanta. Mr. Benzel was a prominent contractor who built mills and churches. And so when he dies in 1915, Antoinette um, comes back to care for her aunt. And so what she does is she spends the winters in Atlanta and her summers in Nova Scotia. She did a lot of painting in Bar Harbor, Maine and in Nova Scotia. In 1918, she exhibited with the Atlanta Art Association, showcasing portraits of Atlanta's children. And in 1920, she was awarded the Inman Prize for Best Painting, titled The Three Children of Mr. and Mrs. K. So it kind of sounds like society families hired her to paint their children. By the following year, she was traveling to Alabama to work on commissioned portraits there as well. In 1922, her aunt died and she inherited the house on Ellis. And so she turns this home kind of like into an art commune. She has a beautiful garden that has been described and talked about by many people. And she starts hosting these art classes and art shows in the carriage house. In 1925, she was a principal exhibitor at the Southern States Art League held at the Biltmore. And she had just created a mantelpiece for a home on Springdale Road. The Depression and FDR's Federal Art Project and the Works Project Administration kept Antoinette working along with many other artists in Atlanta. Drew was commissioned to create a mural at Grady Hospital. She also did one for the Carnegie Library and the Juvenile Court Building. By 1933, she was exhibiting at the High Museum and then later at the Atlanta University Library. And in 1936, her 15-foot-long mural called Living Waters was exhibited at the High and then moved to the White Clinic at Grady, which, if I got that right, I think it was a children's clinic. So here she is. She's living her best life. She's a working artist in her 70s, showcasing in Atlanta's prominent buildings and institutions. She had turned her home into apartments, and she held art, writing, intellectual meetings in the home and in the courtyards. She dreamt of one day turning her space into a permanent art museum or studio club for local artists, and they said she talked about this to almost everyone she met. All of this would come to a tragic end in September of 1941. On September 15th, she was murdered with a pickaxe while sleeping in her bed. Antoinette Farnsworth Drew was 75 years old. And the city was aghast. So, I mean, even people that didn't know her, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, who killed an elderly woman with no enemies? Within days, the police had arrested handyman DJ Folds on suspicion that he committed the murder. Apparently, he had given his address as the Salvation Army building, which was immediately next door. And it turns out that Antoinette had actually hired him to do odd jobs around the property in the past. 
There is very little details, but the police were just totally unsuccessful. They could not get him charged. And he was arrested again in November. Police found him intoxicated on her property or near her property. But again, he's never charged. And the crime is just and the crime is just forgotten about and still remains unsolved. In 1947, six years after her death, Anna Felber and Eleanor Elsis partnered to purchase the Drew home and opened what was called the gallery, Atlanta's first art gallery. Eleanor was actually an Atlanta native. She married into the Elsis family, the same family associated with Cabbage Town. I think William was Benjamin Elsis's son. And Anna was born in Austria. She and her husband arrived in Atlanta in 1939 after fleeing from the Nazis. Both women were extraordinary. And while the gallery was only open until 1953, they both made lasting contributions to the Atlanta art world. If you Googled their names, they, you know, one of them won Women of the Year, Georgia Woman of the Year, um, and did a lot of lasting legacies at the high. In 1954, Mr. and Mrs. Fred Soros purchased the house, and I don't know what Mr. Soros did, but downstairs was his office, and the living quarters were upstairs. I am not positive how long the house actually stood. I know that when Atlanta Legal Aid, who's in the Elks building now, bought the adjoining property in 2014-ish, there was something still there. I don't know if it was the full house um, or, uh, with the carriage house. You know, maybe it wasn't intact. Either way, what stands there today is a parking lot. It does not get more Atlanta than a parking lot. Antoinette had no children, and she was buried at Westview Cemetery. So there you have it. The short story of Antoinette Farnsworth Drew, her work, her unsolved murder, and how her legacy lived on in Atlanta's art scene. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review. You can also visit the Patreon link in the show notes to support the podcast. I hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.